Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a Yes. Seen described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning cup of murder. One may never know how they will react to motherhood until the child is placed into their arms. Some take it with stride, while others fall into a depression that, as we are learning, is increasingly common amongst new mothers. On November 22, 1965, a mother suffering from the all-too-common and sometimes dangerous depression took her children to a bathtub and ended their young lives. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Maggie Young had been, according to her husband James, showing symptoms of depression pretty early on in her journey into motherhood though he claimed the descent was a slow one that went relatively unnoticed until it manifested into something much more dangerous. Eventually, she was unable to take care of her five youngest children, leaving them in the primary care of her adult daughters from a previous marriage, and her husband would often come home to find the children in wet or soiled diapers long after they needed to be changed. Nothing he or the children did seemed right for Maggie, and she spent long hours lying in silence in her bed, feeling a mixed sense of inadequacy and overwhelming sadness. 
These spells soon turned into full-blown delusions and hallucinations. And on one occasion, she disappeared for three hours only to come home and claim that she had been to church where God told her that her husband was Jesus and her grandmother had been the Blessed Mother. A few days later, she tried to attack James with a broom when he opened the front door after work. She was yelling out, They are out there. They have come to kill me. Worried, he took the day off of work and tried to have his wife committed to the hospital, only to learn that, due to policy, she had to enter the facility voluntarily. Working to persuade her, he enlisted the help of their priest and a doctor until she finally relented. She remained in the care of a psychiatrist for just about two months when the doctor reported that there was nothing more he could do for her and that she needed to come home to improve. James reluctantly agreed. A decision that, given the events that happened shortly after, I am sure he regretted immensely. A few weeks after her return home, while her husband, an Air Force captain stationed in Aiea, Hawaii, was away on a flying mission, Maggie Young took her four children into the bathtub and drowned them. There was Janice, who was just five years old, Judith, who was three, Jeanette, who was two, and Jessica, who was only eight months old. She placed their naked bodies neatly on the twin bed and then walked to the Alva Scott Elementary School, pulled her eldest son out of class, walked him home, and straight to the bathroom like his sisters. He was just eight years old. Shortly after she finished laying out her son's body, Maggie called a family friend named Elaine Marshall who lived in Honolulu. According to Elaine's testimony, Maggie asked her what the penalty for murder was in Hawaii. And when Elaine asked what was going on, Maggie replied, I killed them. I killed them all. They were crying. They were crying and I couldn't take care of them all. They were sick and they were crying. Elaine called the police and, immediately after arriving at the home, Maggie confessed to murdering her five children, a slaying that, to this day, remains one of the worst multiple slayings in Hawaiian history, and the largest by a member of the same family. The 38-year-old was immediately arrested, and when the news of the murder spread, the Hawaiian community reeled. Many found it difficult to understand a mother killing her children in such a personal manner, but with her story came a highlight on the dangers and desperation that comes with postpartum depression. The illness was, for the first time, looked into a little bit more seriously. A small silver lining in an otherwise devastating story. James Young, who prayed for his wife to come home when she spent those two months at the hospital, blamed himself for his children's murders. He said he wished he had prayed for her recovery, not just her return. Despite the fact that there was no denying she committed the crimes, Maggie Young was only charged with the murder of her only son. Given her mental state and her hospitalization, Maggie was appointed a psychiatrist to determine her ability to stand trial. This doctor came back saying she was acting under, quote, a diseased and deranged condition at the time of the murder and was deemed unfit to stand trial. She was, instead, committed to the Hawaii State Hospital in 1966. During the treatment process, Maggie started to feel the true magnitude of what she had done. It became too much, and after escaping to a chicken shed on the hospital grounds, Maggie hanged herself inside of the shed. After his wife's suicide, James Young moved to the mainland and spent the rest of his life mourning the loss of his family. He later remarried but never had any more children. 
He said that, in the end, he blamed Maggie's illness and not her for what happened to his children, standing by her until the very end. He said, quote, In her mind, she removed the children from a cruel world and had sent them to a far better place to be with God. And I think that the proof that she truly believed this is demonstrated in the fact that as her treatment slowly returned her to reality, she began to realize that what she had done was terribly wrong and eventually she could no longer live with a terrible truth. James Young kept to himself until the news of Andrea Yates's family skyrocketed into the media. Seeing the tragedy happen to another family, he knew he needed to become an advocate. Russell Yates later reached out to James, feeling as though he was the only man on earth who could truly understand his situation. The conversation was proof to James that he needed to bring more attention to postpartum depression and its devastating effects, calling for the medical community to recognize the condition earlier and help a mother before it can develop into psychosis and paranoid schizophrenia, as it had with Maggie. He lent his support to the Yates family, calling for the same treatment his wife received instead of a conviction. And when the dust settled, he went back to his quiet life of anonymity. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on March 23rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.